Ah, Reckless Love, that's one of my favorite songs. I hope you've enjoyed this worship. Thanks for joining our online location. I got a couple things for you before we jump into the next All the Feels talk. And one is, man, next Sunday starts our live tailgate-like services at Schuylkillhaven High School, 9 a.m. Don't miss that time. We moved it earlier because of the heat. But you'll be able to come chill out in your car in the air conditioner if you want, sit in the bed of your pickup, bring some chairs, bring a beverage, bring yourself, and make sure to check out the guidelines before you come. We ain't playing. The guidelines are there for a reason, and we're not messing around. Make sure you follow those. They're really important to us so that we can continue to show love for our neighbors, show love for our people, and do safe cool gatherings like we have planned at phase two and phase three and phase four of this whole pandemic thing for Grace Free Church. Don't forget to check out the kids' location. Now's a great time to throw open your cell phone, put them on. There's downloadable content. It's developmentally appropriate. It's just awesome. Go check it out, gracefreechurch.live slash kids or click the yellow button below this video. We're excited to get into this new message in all the feels, it's called, I feel so meh. <laughs> We're going to get into it. Would you pray with me for a second? Dear God, we just thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together and look into your word and see how it affects our lives, see how it, it changes how we feel. We, wanna, we don't want to subject ourselves to what everybody else says or our own feelings. We want to subject how we feel to what you say because we trust you. We believe that you have good stuff for us. We believe that you are leading us to healthy places, to better places in our life. And we want to follow you, not just with what we do, but also with how we feel and how we process all of this stuff we're in. So would you help us do that right now? Some of us were stressed. Some of us are exhausted. Some of us are angry. Some of us are worn out. Let's just, would you meet us right where we are and take us somewhere great? Do something amazing through your word in these moments. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's message is called, I feel so meh. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about when I say meh? It's actually an emoji that you could put on your phone. Somebody dropped a meh emoji right now in the comments. I feel so meh. And for those of you that don't know what meh means, it's, it's kind of like the the way all the cool people, since I'm saying it right, name the talk that way, say whatever. <laughs> I, I don't care. I, I'm not that interested. I don't care that I don't care. Maybe I feel like I should care, but I really don't care. And feeling so meh means that you're just checked out. My guess is there are way more people checked out right now than would care to ever admit it in the comments. Yeah, I'm believing that this message is going to apply to some of you out there who, for whatever reason, and I don't know why we always end up feeling so like checked out, so meh, so I don't care, so whatever, so apathetic. I don't know how we always land there. Sometimes I think it's a mixture of a bunch of things, but I know that we all can slip into that feeling in life. And sometimes we slip into it with everything, whatever, whatever, I just don't care anymore, I just, I'm checked out. Sometimes we slip into it in just one or two spots in our life. Maybe your work ethic is like, meh, 
Maybe your marriage right now, you're kind of like, eh. Maybe, maybe your spiritual journey, your walk with God, your faith, you've kind of been like hitting this like, eh. It's not a good place to be. And here's what we got to get. When we slip into apathy, when we slip into feeling like, whatever, I don't care, and I don't care that I don't care, we end up missing out. And nothing gets better. If you're checked out now, nothing's going to improve on its own until you check back in. Your, your relationships aren't going to improve in, on their own. Your, your work ethic, your career path, what you want to do next in life, your finances, nothing is going. Your health, right? Like nothing is going to get better until you check back in and grab hold of your life. And start following God. Nothing just gets better left alone. In fact, some of you are already on a ship that is starting to sink because you have checked out. I get, we just don't care. Meh. Maybe you're there right now. And if you are, no judgment. We love you as you are, no matter who you are, no matter what junk you got going on in your life, no matter how you rolled on here, no matter what you're dealing with, we love you where you are and God loves you too, but he has something way better for you. <laughs> Listen, sometimes when we get stuck in this, meh, it's a really hard cycle to break. It's really hard to get out of it because it's not just an emotion. Feeling this, this apathy, it's not just, it's an emotionless emotion I read this week, a, a psychologist describe it. But really it's more than that, it's not just an emotion, it's an attitude. The two are intertwined, you see, when somebody is checked out, you don't just hear about it, you don't just have to get diagnosed to figure it out, you see, we can see it too. The people that are important to you can see it too. Your spouse can see it too. Your family, your kids, they all can see it too. And maybe they can't articulate exactly what's going on. But when you check out and you're kind of like, whatever, I don't care. I feel so apathetic about my faith. I feel so apathetic about life. I feel so apathetic about my relationships. We know people can see it. Even if you're good at hiding it, eventually we know. Because apathy is not just an emotion, it's also an attitude. There's this story in the Bible, it's found in 2 Kings, it's, it's the end of Elisha's life. If you remember from last week, we talked about Elisha, this guy in this passage in 2 Kings chapter 13, and we're going to start at verse 14. It's, it's an absolutely incredible story right before he dies. I mean, comparing two people, the king of Israel Jehoash and Elisha, just two people to compare. And, and I want to do something I don't normally do is I want to read through the story. It's a little confusing when you read it, and then I want to break it down for you. It says this, now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, the enemies of Israel, Elisha declared. 
you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elisha died and was buried. You have this contrast here. One of the most apathetic stories in all of the Bible. One of the most whatever moments in all of the Bible. You have the the comparison between two people, a king of Israel and a prophet of Israel. The prophet of Israel had left it all out there for the entire time of his life. He served faithfully. He didn't hold anything back. He cared deeply about the country. He cared even more about his God. He cared about the people of his country. He gave his life serving and loving and advocating for his people. You have this picture of this guy on his deathbed. He held nothing back. When it came to giving a a stink about somebody, he gave it. When it came to doing the right thing, he did the right thing. I'm sure there were days where he was exhausted, when he he didn't want to bother, when he would have rather just sat back and rested. I'm sure there were times where he was tempted to check out. But Elisha is a picture of a prophet of God who carried a nation on his shoulders, saving them time after time again because he loved God and he loved God's people. And now he's on his deathbed, having left everything on the field. He just, he just laid it all out there, a life well spent. And you know what happened because of that life? I mean, he got to see the absolute incredible. The stories that he lived, not just heard about, that he lived were absolutely amazing. I mean, there had to be times in Elisha's life where he was like, wow, God, like I thought you could do some big things. That was bigger than I thought. There there were times where he definitely was like, man, I never thought you would do that through me. I never thought I saw that happen. He, He absolutely lived a full life, a life to the fullest, and he left it all on the field. He's about to die. He was checked in the whole time, even now these last moments. And then you have Jehoaz. This king is a goof, man. Like he never really checked all the way in. You see, about this guy, Jehoash, he's a a king that is in a long line of kings who were sort of kingish. Not really kings. They never really led. They never really took charge. Most of them did dishonor in the eyes of God. His father, his grandfather, they would do despicable things. And then they kind of like say, like, oh yeah, well, I want to turn to God, but I'm not going to tear down the altars to the other false gods in the town. I'm going to leave the sheriff pole up in Samaria. Who really cares? What's the big deal? See, they never really checked in. They always kind of had this meh attitude about their leadership. And what happened is king after king was replaced and died. They they never broke the cycle of apathy in their lives. And if you're dealing with apathy, you got to break the cycle. And now's your moment to. And so king after king, just man, like, eh, 
whatever. And what happened to the country is they got whittled down and whittled down by the opposition, by the friction that they faced. It just wore them down and wore them down and wore them down till they barely had any guys left in their army. They had just a few chariots. They didn't have that many horsemen. It was completely decimated and now they're under attack and they got nothing to, to defend themselves with. Nothing to show for it. That's what happens when you don't break the cycle of apathy in your life. Everything gets whittled down to nothing. When you, when you check out, I don't care. I don't care about what's going on. I, I, I mean, I sort of care. I, I, I'm sort of aware that things aren't good at home, but I don't care enough to actually do anything to fix it. I don't care enough to actually talk to somebody and get some help. I don't care enough to actually have a tough conversation. I don't care enough to actually peel back all these layers of things that are going on to find out what's really going on with me, why I don't care, why I just checked out. What happens is it whittles everything down, and you're going to end up in a place where there's nothing left. Here, Jehoash has a moment. I believe it was a God-given moment. I believe it was a moment where, for whatever reason, something sparked in him, and he had this moment of awareness where he realized the help that they had was going to be gone. Elisha was about to die. He was going to be left trying to be an apathetic king without the one who had carried everybody on their shoulders for so long, and he had no chariots, and he had hardly any men, and he had no barely any horsemen, and they were under attack. So apathetic. Jehoash, he pops in to this kind of last day or two of Elisha's life. He says, my, my father, my father, all the chariots and the horsemen. Like now all of a sudden he sort of cares. <laughs> the people that yell the loudest, it doesn't mean you care about all the right things. That's what cracks me up about Joash. Where were all the other times he cried out for help? How come this is the first time it's recorded that he sought the counsel of Elisha? Why is this the first time that he looked back into the past and realized that this guy was valuable and meaningful and that God had provided him to help him lead the nation? Why is this the first time he cried out? I mean, compare it to Psalms 88 and the psalmist who says, Day and night I cry out for you, my God to help. The picture you get of the Psalms is like, I'm not going to shut up about crying out for help. I'm hurting and I care so deeply. I'm not going to stop crying out. But you have this half-hearted effort from this so-so king coming down to Elisha and saying, now help me, maybe right before you die, can you do anything? Can you wave the wand? Can you pull any rabbits out of the hat? Like, you got a trick for me? Because you're about to die. And I just realized that my kingdom, my life, my, it's been a dumpster fire. Like, Elisha, though, in grace and mercy, he, he says, get a bow. Now, what's so interesting about this, and those of you like in the, in, in the county, you know this, you know about bows, right? Like, so what's so interesting about this, he has to tell him, get the bow. Then he has to tell him, take the bow in your hands. Then he has to say, open the window. Then he actually screams at him. There's an exclamation point in your Bible, shoot. Like, I wonder what Jehoash was doing. He was like, go, get a bow. And he's like, what, I got to do something? 
okay. Uh, uh, usually I have servants do stuff for me. And he sees the bow over there in Elisha's room. And he's probably like, like here? You, you do it. <laughs> and Elisha's like, has to tell him. Like, who carries a bow like that? Like, he has to, he has to tell him, like, take the bow in your hand, dude. Like, get it together. Elisha on his deathbed. Take the bow in your hand. Get it together. So he finally takes the bow in his hand and this confused, befuddled look on his face. Like, now, now what, do I, what do I do? I didn't know I was going to have to do something. I came here so you would do something. I thought you were. He said, open the window. So he goes over and he opens the window. And then he's like, still don't know what to do. So Elisha screams at him, shoot. And finally he shoots an arrow out the window. Get it in your hand, man. Like it's your hand. And what's so special about this moment with Elisha is he put the bow in in Jehoash's hand, and then or he told Jehoash to take it in his hand, and Elisha put his hand on his hands as if to say, I'm not doing it. This is your moment. This is your moment. You got to take this moment. You have my blessing. I'm here to support you and help you, but you got to grab it. You got to grab it. If you're wrestling with life and you're checked out of your relationships checked out of your spiritual journey like wake i say this with love wake up you gotta grab hold of your life nobody's gonna do it for you god's with you he's providing everything you need to step into an amazing future but you're missing out and your life is being whittled away. And you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be like, where is everybody? Why'd she leave me? Why won't my kids talk to me? Why am I so alone? Why don't I feel purpose in what I do? Why am I getting passed by as others around me are getting promoted? Why am I getting fired? You're going to wake up and realize that feeling meh has just let everything in your life dwindled down to nothing you gotta grab it shoot you gotta grab it he goes and he shot out the window and elisha probably so happy with little energy energy dwindling he looks and says victory is yours at that battle there's a battle coming you got a fight coming you got one battle coming victory is yours because you snapped out of it and you took it yeah i had to shout at you the whole time i had to wake you up you didn't even know how to hold the bow but you did it and you're going to have a victory against aram you got a battle coming i wish it wasn't true but it's just life you got some challenges around the next corner i don't know what they are but they're gonna be there it's a promise that jesus actually made in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Wake up, man. Stop letting your life pass you by because you're like, whatever, I don't care. I don't care that I don't care. I don't really care about my walk with God. Not enough to invest in it. Not enough to take a next step. 
I don't really care about my relationship. I wish they were good. I wish things were, I wish there was a little spark, <laughs> a little love, a little romance, but I really don't want to do anything about it. I wish I could get that promotion, but I really don't want to work. <laughs> you got to grab it. This is your moment. Elisha, he has his thing, right? And then that wasn't it. It's almost as if this confusing part where he gets mad, it was almost as if he said, he was like, okay, this isn't it. Like, okay, I did that for you. You got a victory. Good. You were being obedient because I had to shout at you. I had to hold your hand in it. But now it's your turn because I'm not going to be here to help you. You're going to have to learn how to walk on your own, king. You're going to have to learn how to lead on your own. You're going to have to learn. So it gives him another task. He says, grab the arrows. And he grabs a bunch of arrows. And Elisha now with... All of the life burst back into him as he's doing this last act before he dies. He looks at the king and he says like, smash the arrows on the ground. And he takes the arrows and he looks at the ground. And he kind of goes, at what point was he like, eh, this is too much work. Like, when, when's he going to yell at me to do something? What do I do next? Like, three times he tapped it. Half-heartedly, three times he struck the ground with a handful of arrows. He, he wasn't really, he wasn't really committed. He wasn't fired up. You want to be like at this point, like, man, get some skin in the game. This is your moment. Smash those arrows into the ground. Hold nothing back. Don't keep anything left. Show some emotion for once, king. Show a little passion for once. Show a little energy for once. Do step out there and do something crazy. Smash some arrows. But he's like three times. Is it over yet? Is that enough? Did I do enough? It's like so many people who just want to do enough. Just let me do enough to get by. I know this is meddling deep right now. I know this is like, oh, heesh. Man, not a lot of comments going to fly on this one. Not a lot of shares popping up. Because this one, it's a little too close to the chest, isn't it? I catch myself. If the shoe fits, wear it. I catch myself sometimes just doing enough, enough to look like I'm making a difference. Just enough to make me feel a little better. Just enough. I hold everything else back. I don't want to break a sweat. I don't want to pull a muscle. I don't want to really put myself out there. I don't want to do, go the extra mile to serve somebody, to love somebody. Just do enough. So that it looks like I'm doing what I'm doing. It's missing out on the fullness of a life that's holding nothing back when it comes to our faith. Elisha gets mad at him. Here he is on his deathbed, about to die. He held nothing back. His life was one that was full and full of passion. And this king is so, eh, yeah, whatever. He gets mad at him. He says, why did you only smash it three times? Why only three? You should have smashed it till you had splinters in your hands. Why don't you really care? Where is your heart? Where is your 
passion. You have to wake up and break the cycle that your fathers have sown before you. You have to be the king that says enough of this so-so life, enough of this living in mediocrity, enough of this leading half-heartedly. I'm going to step up and put myself out there for my God and my kingdom. Break the cycle and start a new trend of a life that holds nothing back when it comes to faith. Apathy, it seeps in. Like I said at the beginning of this message, it seeps in all over the place and it's a cycle you get stuck in. And it is so, so hard to break that cycle but you have, to make, you have to make a choice. Are you going to meet the plans God has for you, plans to prosper you, it says in Jeremiah, not to harm you, plans to give you a future? Are you going to meet the plans God has to you with faith or with apathy? He wants you to come to good things, but you have to choose. It's your choice. He's given you the freedom because he loves you to choose. And if only Jehoash would have met what God was willing to do on behalf of him, if only Jehoash would have met what God wanted for him with the faith and heart enough instead of apathy. And he missed it. He missed it. There's a whole church who missed it. Let that never be said of us. There's a whole church that missed it, and I don't want it to be who we are. But their story is found in the book of Revelation, all the way in the back of your Bible, if you're going to check it out. It's time we got some skin in our game with our life and our mission. It's time that we put some, some, some money where our mouth is. We put some action where we, we say we're going. It's time we get some splinters in our hand when it comes to our faith. This, this church, it's the church of Laodicea, and their story is recorded. They're, actually, their rebuke is recorded in Revelation chapter 3. This is Jesus. He's talking to the churches, and he's, he's calling them out and just having a really honest conversation with them and showing them where they need to go to get to what he has for them. And this church, it's, it's recorded in chapter 3 and 14 of Revelation. Write it down. Check it out. Like if you're struggling with feeling, meh, this is where we find what to do next. He says this, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's Jesus. I know the deeds. I know your deeds. See, it's not just an emotion. It's an attitude that we can see. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Is there any question what Jesus thinks about carrying around and settling a life full of apathy? Whatever? Meh? I don't really care? Is there any question in those first couple verses about how Jesus really feels about this attitude that we all can slip into sometimes? He's like, man, pick, choose, be one or the other, hot or cold, it's time, man, like, 
Get off the pot. Like it's time. Make a decision. Make a decision. I know your deeds. He says, he says this. Now, this is so important here because there's three things in this passage. We call them out at the end, but just, just check this out. This is the first thing. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You got to see it. That's the first thing, I think, if you're dealing with an apathetic heart. Like, see it. See it. That's not it. That's not all there is to see. It's not just see what you're missing. It's see what he has for you. Because he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the, in the fire. So that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear. So that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And a salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. You think you got it, but you're missing out on the good stuff. Here's the thing. Jesus says, I got the good stuff for you. I want to I help you live a rich life. I want you to see clearly. I don't want you to live in shame and guilt. I don't want you to be drugged down by all of that junk in your life. I want to set you free and fill you with confidence. I have a purpose and a plan for you. Stop buying the lie that you got it all figured out already that you're all good, you're missing the point, and you're missing out on so much. Buy from me the good stuff. God has for you the best stuff in life waiting. And you just don't taste it because you're not willing to ask and step into your faith, to, to take a step out of your comfort and your apathy, to choose to follow him one step at a time. Buy from me the good stuff. You're missing it. we got to fix our outlook. And really see for the first time that all the stuff we think makes us, it doesn't really make us. So your position in life, your clout, it does not entitle you, nor does it inhibit you, inhibit you in God's economy. The amount of likes and shares you get on Facebook, how popular you are, it doesn't mean you're entitled to anything in God's economy. It doesn't limit you. If you don't have anything, if you're, if you're living life and you're like, man, I don't have any purpose, I don't have any, I feel invisible to everybody else, you are not limited in God's economy. Your position has nothing to do with it. He's got really good things for you doesn't matter how much clout you have. God's got what you need. And he wants you to take it. He says this. It's almost in there. It's like make a choice. That's the second thing. See it. See what you're missing out because of your apathy. See, see it. See also what God has for you. It's way better. The second thing I think it says here in this passage is like make a choice. Like you got to make a choice to buy better. Don't settle. Stop settling for life the way it is. There is better and you can have it. Buy better. The results are way good. Just stop choosing to buy the lie that you made it. Everything's going to be okay. Just 
you don't really have to care. Everything you think, you're got it all together. And buy from him what is so much better. See it and make a better choice. And if you're dealing with apathy, you got to make a choice right now. Nothing's going to get better until you decide. I know you don't feel it. It's not just an emotion. It's an attitude. You probably don't feel it. You're probably still not feeling motivated. But you're missing out. And you just have to make a choice, not based on how you feel, but based on the logic of it all you got to make a choice to trust God that maybe he sees your life a little clearer than you do. you got to make a choice and you got to say, like, I'm choosing to buy from God what he has for me. I'm choosing based on, based on the truth. I'm choosing to not settle for this apathetic, meh, who cares, whatever kind of life. There's more for me. Somebody type that in the comments. Somebody write it down on a piece of paper. Scratch it on the cover of your Bible. Put it on lipstick like a crazy person on the mirror in your bathroom. I don't care. You got to start believing it's better. Make the choice towards better. God's got you. And what he has is so good. The third thing you got to break the cycle. And the key to that comes in this last verse for today. Those whom I love. He loves you. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. He loves you. That's why he's holding up the mirror. He loves us too much to let us eke lives out of apathy, missing the best stuff he has for us. He loves you. So he holds up the mirror. And then he says this. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and them with me. Break the cycle of apathy in your life, in your relationships, in your career, wherever you're dealing with it. If, you don't, if you're checked out, you've got to break the cycle. See it clearly, make a choice, and break the cycle. You do that by those two words, earnest and repent. Be earnest. It means be serious in intention, even if you don't feel it. Be serious enough to make a choice and to follow it up with a step and action. Do something. Grab your life. Grab the bow. Get some help. And take a step. Be earnest, serious in intention, and repent. Repentant means to turn away from self, turn away from sin, and turn towards God. It's just to stop looking down all of the side roads of life and to say, I trust you, God. I'm turning away from how I've been living. I'm turning back to you. I don't know what that means. I don't have all the answers, but I know this. My life is going to be way better if I trust you. I'm turning. I repent. I'm sorry for the decision. Decisions I've made. I'm sorry for the attitude I've been carrying around. I'm sorry for being so apathetic. I don't even know how to feel better about it, but I need you to help me feel better about it. I'm turning right now. Maybe if you've been wrestling with apathy, that should be your heart's cry in these moments. It's okay. We all wrestle with it, it creeps into all of our lives. Sometimes we all check out. God loves us anyway. That's why he holds up the mirror. See it clearly. Make a choice to stop settling for this, eh, 
whatever kind of life. Make a choice based on the logic and then break the cycle with serious intention and a turning back to what God has for you. He loves you. He's got good things for you. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that you do not, you call us away from the apathy in our hearts, from the whatever in our hearts, from when we check out. Let's just, here we are. We're, some of us are checked out right now. There's some people checked out right now, checked out of relations, checked out of whatever. There's some people just checked out for whatever reason. Help us to see clearly that we're missing it. We're missing so much. You have so much more for us, so many more victories for us, such a fuller life for us. We see it, God. We're making a choice today to not live in apathy anymore, to break the cycle, to break the cycle with earnest and repentance. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for making the way through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.